When the disciples returned from getting food from the nearby town and found Jesus speaking to a woman by a well, the book of John says that they marveled at him. Because in that day and age, most Jewish rabbis wouldn't have been caught dead speaking to a woman in public. But of course, this is just another example of Jesus showing us the way. Now, depending on the faith tradition or denomination you grew up in, your belief of a woman's position of leadership in the church may vary. But as we scan the pages of scripture, names like Lydia and Deborah, Esther and Priscilla, Give us examples of strong female leadership that we must not ignore. In this discussion today with Lacey Pollock, we dive into this topic of women's leadership roles in the church, and we don't shy away from something that perhaps it's time to consider. Lacey's not only a really great friend, but also someone I especially admire because of her love and gift of hospitality, but especially because of her boldness and conviction in the power of the gospel. Hey, Lacey, how are you doing this evening? I'm pretty good. How about you? <laughs> doing, <laughs> doing really well for a, uh, let's see, a Thursday evening. Of course, you're much later than I am. I think you're like 9.45 at night, and um, I'm, I'm only at 8.45, so hopefully you'll be able to stay awake tonight. <laughs> I'm a night owl, so I think I'll be all right. Okay, well, I'm having coffee, so that's helping me <laughs> this evening. So I know you just got home and we're busy and with stuff today, and and that's part of the conversation that we're going to have today. It's one of the reasons why I wanted to this have this conversation. It's it's kind of funny you you have said before, like you know, sometimes like your husband Luke and I, we can get on a phone call or whatever, and we can just talk forever and ever and ever. But what's really funny is that when you and I are together in person, like y'all were not too long ago, um, I think you and I can actually have very long conversations as well. So that's probably um, true. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And that's and and that's one of the reasons why. I mean, you you and I have had such great conversations. One of the reasons why I, I wanted to to kind of sit down with you tonight and and have this interview with you and just um, you know have you talk kind of about your background and your life and your um, ministry experience and some of the things that you see within ministry in the church that, that, uh, are concerns for you. And, and, and I know that you are, you have really great thoughts, uh, and you're not shy of sharing those. So I'm, <laughs> I, I've been, I've been looking forward to, to talking to you. So, so I wanted to begin by, um, really just kind of talking about your childhood and I know you were a pastor's kid. And so that gives you kind of a unique perspective that maybe many um, don't have of the church. And so I just wanted to kind of start there tonight and, and have you tell us a little bit about being a pastor's kid growing up and kind of what that was all about. Um, I, I've been thinking about this question since you sent those to me ahead of time. Thanks for that, by the way. Uh -huh. um, I've been thinking about this like... I guess I just didn't know any different. So for me, it's like, well, that was just normal. Right. Mm -hmm. um, but I think now, like looking back as an adult, I go, Oh, okay. All right. And so, you know, being a pastor's kid, I mean, you, we went to church every Sunday, you were there whenever the doors were open, if it was, you know, Wednesday midweek service or Sunday morning, Sunday evening, you know, whatever that might be, um, you, we were there. Right. 
Right. Right. And so, you know, we were never, um, my dad was never a pastor of a large congregation or like a mega church or anything like that. They were always very small. They're in, they're in uh, Ohio. Yes. Okay. Yeah. And, and for the most part, pretty, you know, rural areas here in Ohio. So like little kind of like country churches or whatever, uh-huh. you know, maybe 40 people. Right. And so it was really small and we just kind of grew up like doing just doing all of the things that that entails also I mean so we didn't have you know a whole group of pastors that were had a had their own tasks you know like whether you had a children's pastor or an executive pastor or a care pastor who might be like in charge of like shepherding or counseling or you know and a lead pastor we didn't have all those things like we were it (laughs) and and my my dad was bivocational and so, oh, okay. you know, maybe for some people who don't know what that is that are listening, like bivocational means that you have a full-time job that pays the bills on top of being a pastor of a church. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And so, um, that's just, that's what we did. So my dad, you know, Monday through Friday went to his day job and then, you know, Sundays he preached, but we all know if you've been a part of any kind of ministry that it's not just Sunday mornings, right? Right. <laughs> like, <laughs> right, right. So it involves a lot more than that, you know, and then we just did the other things that needed to be done too. You, you know, if you need to clean, you clean. If you need to serve in children's church, you serve in children's church, you know, you, Oh, we need to, we got a potluck and no one else apparently can cook. So we're going to bring <laughs> all of the things, <laughs> you know? So it was just kind of what we did. Um, so it was a it was a family affair. It wasn't then just your dad, right? It it really right. involved all of you. That's kind of what you're saying. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Absolutely. So, um, and then you know I met Luke mm-hmm. when we were in high school, and that was one of the things that we had in common was that we were both pastors' kids, and mm. his his dad was a full time pastor. Okay. Like he wasn't you know bivocational. That's what he did to pay the bills. It's mm-hmm. His job. And, um, and, you know, and then you just, I don't know, you start seeing even more things there when you get to know more pastors, families and things like that, you see more things and, um, you know, you see good things and bad things, I guess. And it's definitely, yeah. And that's, that's kind of what I I was curious about is, is kind of that experience you know, your dad being a pastor and, and especially a bivocational pastor, which comes with a whole different set of challenges. Um, can you, can you maybe tell us a little bit about the, the experience of that and maybe what, what that contributed to kind of who you are today in both some positive ways and even some negative ways? So I feel like probably the, the negative, mm-hmm. Um, kind of goes in with a positive and I'll try to make sense of that here in just a minute, if you'll bear with me. Yeah, of course. Um, I would, I think that because of some of the negative things I saw growing up, it's, you know, obviously made me who I am in a more positive way today. Mm, um, okay. So, you know, basically what I saw growing up was that, um, church people are sometimes not very nice. <laughs> <laughs> um I love how you're being nice right now yes <laughs> right right because you know me personally and yeah. you know that in a normal conversation that's you know that's yeah. not exactly um 
I mean, if I'm being real honest, like church people suck. There we go. Yeah. Yeah. There <laughs> right? you go. Thank you. Yes. You know, like I, I want to be authentic. I don't, I don't want to, for people to listen and think that I'm being fake because I don't want for someone to think about that. So I think that that's probably what I learned, unfortunately, was that church people suck. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, like the expectations that church people put on their pastors and their pastors' families are is just unrealistic Mm. um we church people tend to put their pastors on pedestals and their pastor and their families on pedestals thinking that they uh don't have their own set of problems in their own households and you know that they have it all together and that they should be perfect and you know maybe they shouldn't have financial issues because they should know how to manage their money properly and they shouldn't have marital issues because they should be following all of the scriptural things Mm, and you know they shouldn't have uh, children who are getting pregnant before they're married because of course you have your children all in order right Right. like like we have we we say all those things like those are just you know and they're not necessarily spoken expectations a lot of times although sometimes they are it's typically like these unspoken expectations and it's just unrealistic uh, to expect for pastors to be perfect essentially Um, when pastors are really just people, just like the people that they are leading. (laughs) That's a great point. No, that's a great point. And that, that ties into, to kind of what you said earlier, which was, you know, if this was a family affair for y'all, Right. And y'all were all involved in, in serving and serving meals and doing whatever you kind of had to do Then I would imagine then you felt the criticism of, you know, that, that came, that was leveled against your dad. I mean, it, and it was leveled against the entire family and you, uh, you saw it, you felt it. And, uh, and that's kind of become part of, of, yeah, of of the way you see things a little bit today uh, within the church. Absolutely. You Mm -hmm. feel that. I mean, you know that most people aren't going to say anything, but you definitely feel it. And so then if you have a calling on your life and you go, well, I don't really want to put up with that for the rest of my life. So see ya, not doing that. Nope. Don't think so. Right. And then you run from it and, you know, and spend years running from the calling that God's put on your life. But then that's what you're supposed to be doing. You know, Um, I did not do, I didn't run from a calling. Now my husband, on the other hand, you know, has experienced that where he went, you know, I don't really like the way that the church people are, have treated my dad. And so that calling into ministry for me is not going to happen, you know, and mm-hmm. ran from it for several years. Mm-hmm. So this definitely impacts you in that way. Um, I will say like how that makes me see things now is now I know how to serve pastors, families in a okay. better way. Ah, good, good. Um, I, it's kind of always been like our, our role, I guess, in a church. Like we've just really felt the, the empathy Mm -hmm. for those pastors and their families because we've been there and as kids and we go, wow, that can just be really hard. So how can we come alongside you and help you? How can we, you know, we've always explained it um, to other people as we're, you know, that we're Aaron to Moses. How can we hold up your arms when you're weary? And so what is it that we can do to help? And so sometimes it's just being a friend and being an ear to listen, you know, and 
to be able just to say, yep, get that, you know, for, you know, because sometimes pastors don't have that, that vent, like they can't, Mm -hmm. they can't just go vent to their church people, you know, like, you know, they just can't, you can't do that. And so to have someone that's available without judgment that understands, you know, to be able to just be there and do that. Sometimes it's, um, what can we do in the actual ministry in the church? You know, yeah. what can I take off your plate? Can I run the children's ministry for you? Can I, um, can I, you know, take over the hospitality stuff and make sure people have meals that are sick or, you know, we send happy birthdays or we send flowers for funerals. Like, can I do that? Mm-hmm. You know, like, or administrative tasks, you know? Um, so it just depends. It always depended on what the church was when we were there and, you know, what that pastor's needs were. Sometimes it was just, how can I pray for you? Uh You know? Um, and so that's just kind of always been what we've done. And we've just always tried to minister to those pastors and their families in the best way that we knew how. Well, and I can, I I am absolutely a testimony to that and and attest to to that, that love that you have and the way that you serve others. I mean, you, you and Luke both have, have shown that and been that in, in Denise and I's life um, and, and lifted us up and been there to strengthen us and, and just be our friends. And, uh, and I, and I think that that's why, um, you know, we, we have a bond with y'all. Um, and it's not just because you served us, but because you were friends, right? And that was, it was so evident to us about that. And, and the other part about that I think is, is really interesting is that you said that the negative of growing up as a pastor's kid turned into a positive. And so, you know, thinking about the idea of what God kind of did to you as a kid, your family as, as kids, um, have made you absolutely more of an empathetic servant to pastors and their families. And, you know, had you not had that experience growing up, you probably wouldn't be as empathetic as, as you are uh, now. Right. And, right. And so that really did, I think it's amazing how God's sovereignty um, <laughs> worked in your life at the time. I'm sure you didn't enjoy going through that. Didn't want to have to go through that. And of course, didn't know how God might use that. And, and let's make sure we're clear. Like, we're, we're still church people. Right. And, and, Oh yeah. And we suck sometimes too. <laughs> yeah. 100%. Well, and you said it a while ago though, you did not run because there could be a tendency for you to, to just run away from your ministry calling uh, after seeing all of that, but, but you didn't. In fact, I, I know just you, you and I talking that, that you've kind of had a growing holy discontent really about the way that women have been marginalized within the, within church leadership. And so um, I really wanted to spend some time having you just talk to, to us a little bit about your thoughts on this and, and why has this become such a growing passion, a, a growing holy discontent of yours um, really over the last, I, I don't know, maybe a couple of years. Yeah. So it has been probably a couple of years now, two or three years. I've been just exploring this, this thing in my life where God's just been speaking to me about my own journey as a woman in ministry mm-hmm. and what that looks like. And for me, it's pretty much, you know, early in our marriage, I felt like it was always, you know, um, my role. I, you know, with, if Luke was going to be a pastor, well, I was going to be a pastor's wife, you know? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, and 
I will, I will serve, you know, I will serve as I'll I'll cook meals for people. Like that's my thing, right? I cook meals, I cook food and, you know, I'll cook meals and I'll serve. No, you don't just cook food. No, no. we're going (laughs) to maybe hopefully talk about that in a minute. That's You you are way beyond just cooking food. (laughs) That is definitely something I love to do. So it's usually good food because, you know, who wants to eat bad food, right? Yeah. So, um, that's just one of my passions anyway. So, but like, you know, or I'll, I'll serve in children's ministry or I'll call, I'll be there to help because that's, that's what I am. That's what I'm supposed to be. Right. I'm the helper. I'm the helpmate. Right. Mm-hmm. And, um, and that, I did not grow up in a household like that. Like my household was not, um, where, you know, the wives were, uh, supposed to be submissive to the husbands like if anybody knows my mom at all (laughs) that's just not who she is (laughs) you know and if my dad would have ever said those words to her there probably would have been very bad things happen (laughs) so um so like I didn't grow up in a house like that and actually my dad always like would say things to me about like you're gonna be a preacher someday you know or whatever and um and I, I think now, like I look back on it, I think that I probably was called to preaching. Like, mm-hmm. uh, one, I am a, I'm a teacher. Like, I, I talk and I talk a lot, and I enjoy socializing with people. And, and like you said, I'm not shy about, you know, things. My opinions, I'd probably am very far too opinionated and <laughs> um, voice it far too often. I'm sure. No, 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 no. I you love know. that about you. So, but like. I, I look back and I go, I probably was, have been called to, um, leadership ministry and, and preaching really. Mm-hmm. Um, when I, I look at, okay, I am, I'm a teacher, which teachers have to stand up in front of people and talk. And, mm-hmm. you know, and so I've always been comfortable with that. You know, I've always been comfortable. I do, I've taken speech classes in school and was always comfortable, uh, in speech classes and have, never really been uncomfortable standing up in front of groups of people and talking. And, um, and so I, I feel like that's probably something that God was calling me to in my teenage years. Mm. And I think I, I knew that and I heard a whisper of that, but then, um, we, I feel like Luke and I, we got married and, you know, we, we've always called ourselves denominational mutts because we have been in so many different types of churches, you know, different denominations across the board, um, have experienced, you know, a whole, a wide gamut Mm -hmm. of different doctrine and, you know, whatever. But we did spend a lot of time in a denomination that teaches, um, the subjugation of women, uh, to men Mm -hmm. and, you know, and teaches about women, not being in leadership specifically over men. So women wouldn't be ordained. Women wouldn't be a lead pastor. Um, They wouldn't have a title of um, pastor or reverend, or it might be director. They wouldn't even give you a title of children's pastor. They would, they would say children's director, you know, like, right. And so we spent some time Um, in that, in those, some of those denominations that teach that. And I feel Mm -hmm. like because of that, that calling in my life had been quenched Mm. and squashed. Like, no, that was not from the Lord. That was, you know, that was just 
just me being Mm -hmm. weird or something, you know? Um, but that was definitely not a calling from the Lord. And so that got squashed, you know, and I've recently, you know, because we've not been in that denomination for quite some time now. And I, in the past, like three years have just really, um, I've been in leadership, I guess, in our church. I mean, I've been on the ministry team for a while now, but I started, you know, with helping with the children's ministry. Cause that's pretty much what I've always done is children's ministry and which is great. I, I love that. Um, the kids are awesome and they un- typically understand theology much better than most <laughs> adults do. <laughs> um, which is why Jesus says, let them come to me because yeah. they get it. They yeah. get it. Amen. You know? And so, um, but I had felt like that wasn't supposed to be where I was supposed to be anymore, mm-hmm. you know? And like the Lord was kind of pulling me away from that. One, I had been doing it for a long time and it was starting to be taxing Mm -hmm. and I didn't enjoy it as much anymore. And, and I just felt like, okay, the Lord's calling me to something different. What is it? You know? And so I, um, you know, took on some other things like the hospitality ministry and some administrative things and still just really felt like, okay, this, there's still something (laughs) like, (laughs) there's like this spot that, Mm -hmm is not being filled, if that makes sense. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And and so there's still this, you know, whisper of um, I'm calling you and I'm pulling you into something, you know, deeper and um, I have more for you. It was just what the Lord was saying. Mm. And so as I dug into that, I just really felt like uh, I was supposed to preach. Mm-hmm. And I had to explore that a little bit, like, okay, I, I don't have a problem with women in leadership in the church. Like I go to a church that has one of the lead pastors is a woman and I uh-huh. love her. She's uh-huh. a great friend and, um, and I love her, you know? And so, no, I don't have an issue with that. Why do I have an issue with me doing it? Like why, yeah. why would, you know what I'm saying? Like it was yeah. just this yeah. weird, it was this weird thing, but I really feel like there um, was something that, you know, Satan was doing there too, as far as trying to pull me away from the calling that the Lord had in my life. Mm -hmm. And so I had to do some more digging, you know, what, what exactly is it that I believe that the Bible teaches about women in leadership? Um, What do I believe about, you know, the whole wives submit to your husband's thing? What, you know, like I just, I had to really dig into that and just pray. And I had to set my feet firm Mm -hmm. in, in what the Lord was showing me. And so, I mean, and I've seen like, I mean, we have seen, right? Like women, women are only worthy of teaching other women and children. So we do see how they are, they are marginalized from the American church Um, because then that makes it seem like, wait, what? Women can only teach other women or children because men are, oh, so far superior that they can't hear what a woman might have to say about the Bible. Right, (laughs) right. That just, I don't know, like that just doesn't make a whole lot of sense, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, and for a husband to say, I don't know, I just, I can't be under the leadership of like my wife, you know, I lead or whatever. Like, I, I feel like if you're in any true Christian marriage, you probably go, yeah, I learn a lot from my wife. <laughs> <laughs> true that. I mean, 
because we true. learn we I mean if you've been married for any significant amount of time you've learned a lot from each other right so for for one of the one of the genders to say I I'm the one that hears from God and uh you know like mm-hmm, mm-hmm. you get where I'm going with that yeah yeah does that absolutely. make any sense you yeah. know I mean, if I'm being frank, it just seems quite arrogant to mm-hmm. to think that the Lord doesn't speak to and through women and that you can't hear it because you're a man. Right, right. Um, so I, that's kind of, I just, I don't know, I see the, the, how they are marginalized in that way and that um, men are superior to women and it makes women's voices seem like they don't matter. And yeah. so I've, I did, you know, so I kind of just went, all right, all right, God, where are you taking me with this? What do you, mm-hmm. what do you need me to learn? Right. And so, you know, I, I went to a couple of different uh, women's conferences. I, a significant one that I went to was a few years ago, um, the Vineyard Church in Columbus, which the Vineyard Church is the church that we're a part of here in Circleville. Mm-hmm. And um, it's, you know, non-denominational church and it's called the Vineyard Movement. <laughs> Okay. All right. <laughs> so um, they hosted a women's conference for the legacy women of the Vineyard Church. And so basically what that meant was the, the older women who had been in the vineyard in, in vineyard leadership for a significant amount of time, basically since the founder of the Vineyard Movement had been alive and he like kind of mentored them and their husbands as they planted churches. Okay. Mm -hmm. And so it was them hosting a women's conference to pass on, um, leadership, um, information, I guess, you know, Mm -hmm. just to help, help new women come up into the leadership in the vineyard. And so I attended this conference and just really felt like the Lord was like, um, this is, this is what you're supposed to be doing. You're supposed to be in leadership preaching and here's why. Mm. And I, and we, we sat in this, like kind of this question and answer session and had like a panel of women who were in leadership in the vineyard. And, and one of those questions came up, like, what do you say to people when they say, so how is it that you're preaching? <laughs> uh-huh, uh-huh. Cause you're, you're a woman and yeah. the Bible says that you shouldn't do that. Mm-hmm. So, you know, and she, they basically go, how do you handle that? And, and she said, well, I've developed this thing called my five minute theology because I don't necessarily want to go have lunch with everyone who asks me that question to explain why the Lord has called me to preach. So mm. I've developed this five minute thing. So I don't have to go have lunch with <laughs> all these people. <laughs> and I was like, okay. But that was just really encouraging to me to be able to just be like, okay, so here's my five minute theology. Right. Mm, yeah. Yeah. So I dug in and, my five minute theology consists of women leaders in the old Testament Uh and women leaders in the new Testament. Basically my five minute theology is the Lord exhorts women in Mm. his word. Mm. The Lord does not make women inferior in the word. He lifts them up. Yeah. And um, when we look at the, the old Testament, we go, okay, Miriam, one of three leaders sent to free the Israelites. Mm, you mm. know, we've got Deborah, we've got Ruth, Esther, 
Mm-hmm. The list goes on. JL, I was reading about JL to like mm-hmm. recently and how she, you know, basically killed some dude with a tent stake mm-hmm. because mm-hmm. because they didn't kill him. So she did it. I don't know. That's <laughs> pretty good. That's pretty good leadership, if you ask me. <laughs> right through the, the temple, right? Of the of the skull. So, right. Yeah, yeah. You know? So um you know, and then you look at how Jesus exhorted women mm-hmm. and the things that, that he did that would have been completely out of the norm in the time that he was living in, in the Roman culture, you know, I mean, the first evangelists were women mm-hmm. after mm-hmm. the resurrection. Who did, who did Jesus reveal himself to? He revealed himself to two women. And then what did he say? Mm. Hey, go get the guys. Yeah. Go, go tell the guys that I'm alive. Mm-hmm. Right. Mm-hmm. And so isn't that they're, they're now evangelists because they're now sharing the gospel that, Oh, by the way, he died on the cross. Oh, he's alive. <laughs> right? right. That's, right. that's the yeah. gospel. Right. Yeah. yeah. So um, the first two evangelists were women, mm-hmm. you know, and, and then you look at like, even thinking about, he even, you know, told, I don't even, I think that before that, before he died, when he, um, spoke to the woman at the well mm-hmm. and he, he told her, Hey, by the way, go tell all the people mm-hmm. who I am. Right. Mm-hmm. So now you've got her as an evangelist. And so you've got these women that Jesus is revealing himself to saying, go tell the people. And one, like, if you think about the Samaritan woman, like who's no one wanted to listen to her. She, that's why she went to the well in the middle of the day. So that, because no one wanted to be around her. Right. Right. And so here he is, he's using marginalized people to mm. reveal himself, yeah. you know? And so that's part of my five minute theology is look at all these women that God and, and Jesus have exhorted throughout the Bible. And then, you know, of course we get to Paul, right? Everybody's always like, Oh, Paul, you know, Paul is the one that wrote all of the things about women and how women should be controlled you know, in the household and women should be submissive to their husbands and women should respect their husbands. And Oh, by the way, they should be quiet in church, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. you know? Right. And they should not, and, and they should not be held in an, a deacon or an elder role. Right. Like all of those things that Paul wrote, like he's the one, right. Yeah. But here we are. Okay. Let's just back up for a second. Cause we've got like four or five you know, pieces of scripture of Paul's writings mm-hmm. that, that are dictating how women are treated in the church and in their homes. Okay. Four or five right. pieces, right? right? How much of the new Testament did Paul write? Mm. Like, put a percentage on it. Like, would you say 80%? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. Right. Okay. So you've got 80% of the new Testament that Paul wrote and only about four or five small pieces of scripture. Does he give direction to women, like, or to like how women should behave in the church. Right. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. To me that that one does not show a full picture of what, of, of Paul's true view of women, because if you look at his writings, it just doesn't match up. Mm. If you look at the book of Romans and chapter 16, where he recognizes 10 women among equal standing with the men. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Right. And then then we go to Galatians and he says, "Hmm, hey, guys, neither Jew nor Gentile, neither slave nor free. Oh, by the way, here it is. Neither male nor female. Mm -hmm. Because Mm -hmm. because why? Because we are one 
in Christ. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. Right. Like, so it just, it doesn't, it's not a true picture of, of what he views and how he views women in in scripture. Yeah. And, and here's another, a second piece to that. Those scriptures that are dictating the role of women in, you know, what we, what we're calling it now is what biblical womanhood, that's mm-hmm. kind of what it's called now. Okay. And so there's this book that I read recently and um, it's called the making of biblical womanhood by um, Beth Allison Barr is her name. Okay. And I, I really recommend Okay, one, if you are like me and you think you're called to ministry, but you're not sure, read the book, right? If you're just not sure how you feel about women in leadership or what the Bible says or whatever, read the book. Second, if you're a person listening and you're like thinking that, wow, Lacey, you're way out of line and your husband is doing a terrible job at, you know, teaching you to be submissive. (laughs) 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 If if you're one of those people... Um, read the book because mm-hmm. she has this perspective in this book that is incredible. One, she is a pastor's wife of a Southern Baptist pastor. Mm-hmm. Okay. Which is a prominent denomination that teaches um, this biblical womanhood mm-hmm. um, thoughts. Right. And, um, but she's also a professor at Baylor university in Texas And her specialty is medieval, like the medieval times. She's a a history professor and her specialty is the medieval times. And so she comes at this subject from a completely different um, place than a lot of people. She comes at it from a more of a historical place. And so she's done research into like why Paul would have written what he wrote in those times. Like what was, what was the context within the historical times, you know, and what was he actually addressing? She's actually, and she's also researched the Greek of what, you know, Paul was teaching and what it really, you know, kind of means and how things have just really gotten distorted one, because we've gone from Greek to English and that's just a total mess. But then you're going from like translation to translation, right? You've got all these different translations. And, and so, and how um, people have had their little fingers in the different makings of the different translations, right? Mm-hmm. Even though the Bible says, don't change anything, there will be, you know, consequences if you change anything that's in this, in the scripture, right? We're not supposed to make changes to it. Well, guess what? People and organizations, Christian organizations who have, wanted to keep women where women, where they feel women are supposed to be in the church have made changes to make it seem like that's how Paul wrote it Mm, mm. when it's really not. So I really just encourage people to read the book. It's called the making of biblical womanhood by um, Beth Allison Barr. Okay. That's good. Yeah. I knew you were mentioning that to me when y'all were here. Yeah. And so, um, yeah, I don't know. So that's kind of where I'm at. Like she has a couple of things in there that I just really felt like were really important. One of the first things she talks about is that um, a lot of these denominations that teach this will use will use the the scriptures in Genesis that talk about how you're. And I remember learning this. Just a side note, I remember hearing this scripture taught in a Sunday school class in a church that we attended. 
when we were newly married about how, well, this is what women will desire to do. Women will desire to rule over their husbands, right? Like that's what it says in, in Genesis is that a, a woman will desire to rule over her husband and, and he'll toil over the earth, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. Like that's what it teaches in Genesis. And that's one of their like scriptures they use to back up their claim to, you know, well, your, your place is really, you know, to answer to your husband because this is what you're going to want to do. Like, sure. you know, like yeah. it's a, it's a fleshly desire. And so obviously you're not supposed to do that. Mm-hmm. Okay. So kind of how she addresses this is that particular piece of scripture what, what scripture is that? What, what was that for? Why was God saying that? God was saying that because that was the consequence, right? For them disobeying what he had asked them to do in the garden of Eden. Mm -hmm. That was the curse. That was Mm -hmm. part of the curse that was put on Adam and Eve when they disobeyed God, uh, in the garden of Eden. And so we're living under the curse, Mm -hmm. right? So we've, Mm -hmm. we've created this whole, like, this whole thing of women should answer to their, you know, are submissive to their husbands and shouldn't lead over men because of a curse. Mm-hmm. I'm sorry. I didn't know that we were supposed to live under a curse. That's not God's perfect will for me. Mm-hmm. Right. Mm-hmm. Well, like, through Christ. Yeah. Right. Uh-huh. Exactly. Yeah. Like, you know, the freedom that we have in Jesus Christ is now that I get to live in the perfect will of God and the perfect will of God is to live in communion with him, not under this curse anymore. We don't live under that curse anymore. We don't have to. And so, um, that was really eye opening for me when I read that. I was like, duh, how I've never seen that before. You know, <laughs> <laughs> it was just like light bulb moment, uh, for me. And so I just, I don't know. There's some other things in there that are just really encouraging for me. You know, when she, she talks about like, um, when Paul is addressing, they, they call them the household authority rules or something like that. Like the ones that we see in Ephesians and in Corinthians and, you know, I think Galatians, there's a couple of other ones, you know, where we see how women are supposed to be submissive and children are supposed to be obey, you know, mm-hmm, like mm-hmm. those ones that we see. Right. And, and she talks about in this book, like Paul was really offering like this Christian remix on Roman household authority, because really that was already Roman household authority. Like the Romans already were doing that. And so that was the law was that women couldn't do anything without a man. They mm-hmm. couldn't own property. They could, you know, they couldn't do anything without mm-hmm. a man. And so, um, she was saying, you know, like, why, why um, is Paul addressing that? Because w- that was already how it was. And so her point is, is that really Paul is kind of giving this, this little bit of a remix. It's she calls it a Christian remix because he addresses men in those scriptures too, right? We kind of sometimes forget about that. I think is that Paul yeah. also tells men, um, you are supposed to love your wives like Christ loved the church. Right. Right. Which mm-hmm. then means like, what did Christ do? Christ gave up his life. So, you know, your husbands, are you willing to give up your wife, your life for your wife? Mm-hmm. You know? Mm-hmm. And, and then he, um, and then he says, you know, husbands, you're supposed to 
love your love your wives I think there's one in there I'd have to go back and look it up I don't know the exact word something about your body like you love your body or something Uh like that uh and but so she's kind of talking about like why is Paul normally what you would only see is that it would only be addressed to the women and how you are supposed to um you know, be reminded of your wifely submission duties. Right. Mm -hmm. And, but Paul is now demanding that husbands do the, the opposite of what Roman law allowed by sacrificing his life for her instead of exercising his power over her. Mm, 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 mm. That's powerful thought. Right. So he, so Paul isn't just giving instructions and saying, now wives, make sure you respect your husbands. He's because everybody was already doing that. Mm -hmm. Right. Mm -hmm. Yeah. He, he's actually telling husbands, he's giving them a different way of thinking, like still while trying to be within the Roman law, you know, like we're trying to, he almost kind of trying to be politically correct in a sense, you know, he's, he's trying to be politically correct by addressing women, but then, Oh, by the way, here you go, men, you also have this, you know, a standard, a high standard. Yeah. 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 So I don't, that's, I mean, that was definitely totally more than five minutes. Um, I could, (laughs) I could spend lunch with somebody and explain a lot to him, but I do have a, you know, I have a smaller, shorter five minute theology version and it mainly, you know, revolves around the Galatians three twenty eight of, um, neither male nor female and being one in Christ. And, um, you know, it's really, it's really good. Those are some, some amazing thoughts and, you know, what, what we are, uh, what we do see and what we are taught, um, when we don't wrestle with, with these, um, um, what, what the Bible's teaching and the real words and what, what it is in the context and the historical context and those kinds of things, uh, when we don't wrestle with scripture that way, uh, we're not really reading our Bibles. We're not, you know, really diving into them to see what it really means. Right. And um, and we just start accepting things for the way that they are. And that that was part of, you know, my story growing up is, that, you know, I just like I just kind of accepted everything. And then, um, you know, and then when God got a hold of me and, and, and saved me. It was kind of like, and I, I always say this, he just sort of bulldozed all the pillars that I had these beliefs in, and he began to build these new pillars up, uh, you know, these new beliefs in, in him and his kingdom and what it all means. And the high standard that he calls, um, even higher than, you know, than any of us think, yeah, uh, that, right, that, that we have. And one of the things that I have seen, and, and it's a great point, is that all throughout scripture, you know, women have this really prominent role and mm-hmm. uh, like over and over and mm-hmm. over and over again. Like, I mean, like we didn't even talk about Lydia and, you know, in, in the New Testament and like the first church, you know, meeting in her home. And, right. uh, you know, and so, yeah, I mean, it's, it's just amazing when you begin to look at the totality of scripture, the, the place that God puts women uh, on a pedestal within that. And, and I want to be careful and say this, not above men. That's not the point that we're trying to make. We're not trying to say like, like, you know, this is a commentary on like, well, women need to be more powerful than men. No, Uh, absolutely not. not. You know, men don't need to be more powerful than women, that God has given a place for each of us to be able to serve within gospel ministry. And he's called you into this and, and you kind of put it on the shelf for, for, for a long time. And then, 
um, God has been sort of resurrecting that in you. And then you're, you're serving in your church now in that capacity. Yeah. Yeah. Um, also here, right. By talking about it and sharing it and, and uh, that kind of thing. So yeah, I, it's a really powerful thought. And I'm, I'm sure some people who are going to be listening to this right now are going to be thinking, you know, what, what is this? Like, this is, I need to really wrestle with this. Like what Lacey's saying. And, I hope uh, so. I hope yeah, they do that. Yeah. You know, I mean, that's what I hope to challenge people to wrestle with it because we haven't we just gotten so like comfortable with just putting God in a box, right? Yeah. Yeah. Like that's what we've done is we've just, in in a lot of things, we've put God in this box and said, well, God can only work in the confines of these things right here. Mm -hmm. And, and there's no way that he could maybe work outside of those things. Right. Cause we, we have this thing where we go, well, it's, either this or it's that it's either or Mm -hmm. you know Mm -hmm. we only only want god to work within the either and the or Mm -hmm. but guess what he works in the both and Mm -hmm. you know like Mm -hmm. we his word says my ways are higher than your ways my thoughts are far higher than your thoughts like he tells us that in his word so who are we to go oh god here you only right here just right here in this little box I, it sounds so like so much like the Pharisees, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. you know, where God only can can work in within these laws and these rules. And Jesus, what are you doing performing a miracle on the Sabbath? What in the world? Right. 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 You know, like we we have this like thinking like the Pharisees where we are like, this is how it's supposed to be. Right. And I hope that it does challenge people to do the research and wrestle with it. We have the resources to be able to do that now. Yeah. You know, we have people who have done research and looked at stuff and, you know, and have said that this is out of context, you know, let's, let's rethink this. But even without those resources, if you just look at the word of God and go, God exhorts women and lifts them up. Yeah. So this is completely contrary to what he's told us in his word, Mm -hmm. you know? Mm -hmm. So so yeah. Yeah. And, and, and (laughs) I, and I, I want to add on that even if, and I think this is an important point I want to kind of make as we wrap up this, this discussion that even if somebody, you know, researches it, studies it really dives into it, really wrestles with it and still comes away with a different, conclusion. Um, the, the one thing that I think we want to make sure that we do, and this is what I think, you know, you mentioned a while ago that church people can suck. Uh, um, you know, one of the things we will do is we will begin dividing over these kinds of things. Oh, right. right? Absolutely. And, mm-hmm. and we, and, and so because somebody has a different way of looking at things then all of a sudden we can't, you know, we can't stand toe right. to toe with them. We can't even have a have conversation. conversation. With right. We, and, and that's where, you know, that's where I wanted you to come on today and really, and I was hoping you were going to get in and dive into some of this, that, that you're really encouraging women who are listening, who have a call in their lives. And they're saying, you know, um, I am this, this minister and it may not be preaching ministry, right? It may be something else, but they have this calling on their lives and, and they, and they're thinking to themselves, well, I can't do this, right? Because I, I'm, I'm just a woman. And I hate to say it that way, but I do believe that, you know, there, there, there are women out there who just, who do believe that and who think that. And, and yeah, I would say that they've been told that, but they also just think that they are inferior and yeah. right. And they know in their soul that that's not true. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I'm, I was really, really pleased that you're getting into that because I, I do want 
your encouragement of that to, to kind of filter down so that whoever may be listening to this and really been wrestling with, you know, what is my calling in life? And, and am I enough? Uh, that, that what you said here today is, is you're, you're giving them, them the encouragement, not just by your preaching, by the way, which you're doing today. Excellent. Um, but also by your life and, and by, and by what you're doing in your life. And so, um, we're going to do a two part series with you. And the, the next time we talk, we're going to be, I want to, I want to dive into something like really different and switch gears, which, because you do not only have a gift of, of preaching and, and serving, you know, within the, the sort of established church, but you also have an incredible ministry of hospitality. And, and we kind of mentioned a little bit about cooking earlier. Uh, so I want to get into that in, uh, in sort of our next discussion um, and talk a, a, a lot about how hospitality can actually be a ministry. Uh, mm-hmm. Whereas somebody might be saying, as you're encouraging today, you know, I'm, I've got this hospitality thing that I do, but how, how can I do that in ministry? And, uh, and I really want you to talk about that and, and encourage those that may have that as well. So mm-hmm. yeah. would you, would you, would you give me another uh, opportunity to have another uh, uh, interview with you on that? I suppose. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> I appreciate it. Lizzie. If Thank you, you can for... handle listening to me uh, for longer, I guess. <laughs> oh, yeah. well, no, no, I'm, I'm, I'm sure. I'm sure they will because you, you are, I mean, you're an inspiration. You inspire me. You're a friend of mine. You've, you've encouraged me, um, encouraging tonight as well. And so I just enjoy just sitting back and and listening. And so I really appreciate your time tonight. Can I say one more thing before we go? Like the, these things that we talked about tonight are not, um, gospel truths. Mm. Like we Mm. have, Mm. these are just, these are things like you said that can divide and cause division, but they are not gospel truths. Mm. Okay. And so, but we've made biblical womanhood, into a gospel truth mm, and, and mm. which is why it causes so much division good but it's not yeah. the, the fact of the matter is is do you believe that jesus died for your sins and rose again three days later and that he um loves you like and do you love him have mm. you told him that you love him and that he rules your life like that is the point and so these things are what I call and what other people call like ecclesiology differences. Mm-hmm. It's not theological. We've mm-hmm. made it theology, but it's ecclesiological. Ecclesiological. <laughs> I said that right. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. It's yeah. just, it's doctrine is mm-hmm. what it is. Yeah. It's, you know, and so at the end of the day, just say, okay, I agree to disagree, but I still love you because you love the Lord and we are one in Christ. Right. Ooh. Amen. Amen. I love Lacey. <laughs> I love her passion. I love her conviction. I love her love that she has for the Lord and and for the church. And so I just really hope that you were uh, blessed by today's discussion. Hey, if you are not aware of this uh, broadcast, Outpost 127 is actually a part of a larger ministry called Intersection. And if you want to check out what Intersection is and what we do, you can find us on Facebook at Intersection SA. Other than that, we just want to thank you for joining us today. And as always, may the Lord bless and keep you. May he give you the wisdom and the strength to stand firm side by side for the faith of the gospel.